Hello everyone, I'm Jack Tracy, and thank you so much for joining me from beautiful Hermosa Beach, California, for the very first episode of Real Talk with Jack Tracy in 2021. Well, we all know how rough it was last year, politically and economically, but I'm glad to still be here in my adopted hometown, where, would you believe it, after everything that has happened, the ocean view is still amazingly beautiful. Maybe some of you saw some of the hundreds of sunset pics this month. Wow, this city is yet beautiful. The people are so beautiful. And the bugs, well, beautiful. Hey, I said it. I love Hermosa Beach in the South Bay. Now, joining me today on the program is Nate LaPointe, the tremendously talented lead singer and lead guitarist of Cubensis, the popular Grateful Dead tribute band, or as Nate insists, Grateful Dead experience, because there is no mimicking of a band here. These guys are the real deal. Now, that band includes Craig Marshall on guitar, Brad Rhodes and Ed Fletcher on drums, percussion, Larry Ryan on bass, Tom Ryan on keys. Now, something about Nate, you know, he grew up learning backstage from some of the best musicians in the country. Uh, He can play any style of music, and his degree in jazz guitar led him to his own music popularity in rock, pop, blues, bluegrass, soul, and country. He worked with soul legend Bobby Womack for 10 years, and with B.B. King, and also Vince Welnick, who was the original keyboardist for The Dead. So, as we begin this recording, Nate is in the South Bay to record some music to celebrate the August 1st birthday of the legendary Jerry Garcia. He also has a Friday night live show that streams on Facebook. I want you to check that out if you can. It's on Facebook, uh, Nate LaPointe. So here we go with the interview. Very exciting. Here's Nate. No sweat. I apologize for being late. Everything is is like 10 minutes behind schedule today, so I apologize. Oh, I'm putting every all the blame on you. Everything <laughs> is your fault. I'll take it, man. I'll take it. (laughs) Well, that allows me to escape. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know that you're really busy, man. How are you? Tell me, how how are things? You know, everything is, uh, everything's moving forward. We, um, we decided to make a a change, whether it be temporary or permanent. We don't necessarily know the answer yet, but we moved the family up to Eastern Oregon. Oh. And we're staying with my mom at the time. And it just so happens that in that rural part of America, it's about two hours from where Larissa's family lives, coincidentally. So we get to see both sides of the family much more easily and much more frequently now. How about that, Nate? I did not realize that. You know, I saw on Facebook that you were what I thought was taking a vacation up in Oregon and showing pictures of all the beautiful mountains and everything. And I thought, oh, how terrific. But it didn't occur to me that that was a move. Well, it's it's a funny thing because we put most of our stuff in the storage and just took what we needed with us so we can wait this virus thing out and see what the next step is going to be. And so we're just in the middle of a pivot and exactly where that pivot's going to take us, we're not exactly sure yet, but we had to do something. So that's what we did. Of course. Wait, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say we had to. We didn't have to. It was a good idea to do something. It, it was a decision that you made for yourself and for your family. Exactly. All that being said, I'm in Southern California right now. 
<laughs> Is that I right? Back, I just flew back this morning um, to handle some business, handle some stuff. I'm going to record some stuff with my band Cubensis so that we have some material to premiere online at later dates. And then I fly back on Sunday. Very cool. Well, that was going to be the next thing I was going to ask you about uh, uh, Cubensis. Um, you're the lead singer. You're the guitarist. Uh, you guys have done just amazing things all over the place. It's Grateful Dead experience music. Uh, tell me about it. Tell me how, how Cubensis came about. So Cubensis is, Cubensis is what they call a Grateful Dead tribute band which I think is kind of an unfair term because most tribute bands try and look like, try to sound exactly like, try and duplicate what someone else already did. And that is absolutely not what we do at all. We, um, Cubensis is, we like to call it a Grateful Dead music experience because the Grateful Dead approached their own music as being different every single time they play it. So we figure, I think we think it's the best idea to do the same approach to that music. I see. Is, is to make it different, make it unique every time. Uh, the band actually started in 1987. And uh, I was not yet 10 years old when they started that band, but I joined <laughs> in 2001. So I was the new guy for a long time. All right. <laughs> I see. That that accounts for your youth, because I want to get to that a little bit. But go ahead. Yeah, I joined them in, when I was in my 20s. And, um, and and here we are. Fast forward. It's it's the year 2020 now. That was 19 years ago. And it was a natural fit from the get-go, because they needed a guitar player that could sing. And I was looking for, for people to play with in, in Southern California. And I grew up a Grateful Dead fan. My, my dad was a, a, a record store owner and a Grateful Dead enthusiast. Right. And so he would, he would design all of our family vacations around going to see Grateful Dead shows. <laughs> he was a deadhead. He, he was had a, a dead family head, of man. deadheads. And so he was friends with a guy named John Barlow who co-wrote some of the songs with the Grateful Dead. Yeah. And so Barlow got us backstage passes. And so I got to experience the Grateful Dead backstage friends with the band at a young age, which was uh, cool. a pretty unique experience. And it, you know this about kids, whatever they're experiencing is their experience. That is reality. And they don't necessarily judge it. Yeah, it wasn't until you. I was a little older when I said, wait a minute, not everybody was backstage at dead shows, learning how to be a musician firsthand. And, and that was, you know, when I was in my teens. And so I have remained grateful for that opportunity to learn firsthand and to Very have experiences cool. that, that no one can else, no one else can buy or take from me. So, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, I don't, I'm not telling you, but you have uh, the full band live streaming coming up on August 1st, 1st, and that's celebrating Jerry Garcia's birthday, right? Sure is. And that's, that's one of the things we're going to record this weekend. Yeah. Right. How exciting. <laughs> so is that the thing that you're here for? Yes, that's one of the things that I'm here for. And um, we figured it was an important date, as it is every year, because what they call the time between August 1st and August 9th, they call it the days between, because Jerry's birthday is the 1st, and the date in which he passed away is August 9th. I see. And the last song he ever wrote was a song called The Days Between. I got it, yeah. 
And so we celebrate that time of year every year by doing a couple of shows. And we figured that this year should be no exception. So we uh, decided to get together in a studio with no crew, no fans, no wives, no girlfriends, just to make it safe for everybody and to right. record some music for people to celebrate Jerry's life. Very cool. Boy, I, I expect that to be a really intense uh, experience. It is. It's emotional. You know, for us deadheads who, who I don't want it to sound cultish. I don't want it to sound like a religion, but I do want it to sound like a celebration. Right. You know, and that's, that's how we approach it is a celebration. All right. That's how you feel about it yourself, I guess, as, as yeah. a celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Makes perfect sense to me. Very cool. Well, you know, that's not the only kind of music that you do, as I understand, because you also, you do country, you do blues, you do soul, you do rock. And one of the things I, I, I find really amazing um, is that you have played uh, with, I guess, and for Bobby Womack. Uh, and that's yes. a real soulful, Patti LaBelle, blues, soul kind of thing. You, you've done that kind of work up until, well, I guess he, he died uh, not too long ago. But tell me about that experience. So yeah, I got I got the unique experience of being able to play guitar in Bobby Womack's band over the span of ten years, and it came about because a good friend of mine from college had some other gigs come up, and he said, "Man, I got to do these other gigs; they're more consistent. Can you sub for me on the Womack gig?" I said, "Sure." So he brought over a CD, and I learned the tunes, and and had never even met Womack or the band. And, yeah. Um, uh, the first <laughs> you want to, I'm going to tell you a story, Jack. Tell me, tell gig, me. I'm, I'm interested first gig to know. I, did, we, uh, I, I didn't even met the band. I, I get on the airplane. I see everybody. We fly to, uh, to South Carolina to play at this big blues festival. And we're about to walk on stage. And the, the, uh, the road manager puts his hand out and he says, Nope, back on the bus. I'm looking around. <laughs> I'm saying, what? He says, get back on the bus. I said, all right. Get back on the bus. He proceeds to tell us that the promoter did not pay Bobby Womack his full amount. And so Bobby said, I'm not oh. going to play. <laughs> so we, we flew back to Los Angeles. And when we got off the plane, Womack himself paid each and every one of us out Is of his own right? pocket. How very cool. Because each and every one of us was there ready to play. And he respected that due to the fact that he was a side man for so many years. You know, he played for Sam Cooke and he played for Aretha Franklin and he played for Ray Charles and I get that, man. Now, you've got that connection that goes back to some really, really soulful, cool days. And that's that's very interesting. Sure does. And so I was lucky enough to be able to to take over that gig eventually and play all the way through the end until Womack's last show, which was in 2014. Right. All right. How excellent. Well, well, all of that, you're bringing all of that here to Hermosa Beach and let me just say into Project Barley. Yes. And, uh, and Brent Rieger, who owns Project Barley over there, he and I actually went to the same high school in Colorado. Uh, and that's kind of how we met when we were out here. So it's kind of cool. Tell me about your, your uh, work at Project Barley. You're doing that on Friday nights or Thursday nights, I think, uh, live showing. Is that right? So, yeah, my Friday night live concert, my uh, Friday night live concert that I do, um, it's not actually at Project Barley. Oh. But I promote their beers because, you know, we're a family and, and we're all in this together. And 
Didn't I, I see you playing there at the Just, I mean, just to interrupt you for a second. Didn't I see you online uh, on Facebook playing at Project Barley? No, Maybe I I'm, did. I did do it from Project Barley one yeah, time. One time. Absolutely that's what right. It was. Um, but it's not a regular thing from that's there. That's what I, it is. We just associate ourselves together because when one of us does better, we all do better. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Especially in these times that are so trying and and so uh, there's so many unknowns right now. We might as well all support each other. <laughs> Truly, uh, yeah, yeah, and I know Brent has a really good sense of that. He he really does. He He's does. excellent in that re- in that respect. Uh, this is a great community. You've got another thing really cool too. I mean, you have so many things, and it, there's so little time to talk about all of them. But um, the Paul Hass album, and now this is like country music, right? And sure uh, is. You, you play. <laughs> I'm just amazed at all the things that you can do. Um, what, what does it mean to you to have played uh, on the Paul Haas album, that, uh, which has just come out? And maybe tell me something about it. So Paul is a wonderful songwriter who, uh, who, who decided to get into the professional side of music a little bit later. And I met him through a good friend of mine named Chris Murphy, who is a, a fine uh, fiddle player and songwriter and producer. And he introduced me to Paul because Paul came to him and said, now I want to record this record and I want to do it right. And I want to get the right musicians on it. And I want to make this for real. So Chris called me to come in and play and to learn all of Paul's tunes. And it was, it was such a fun experience because there was, um, this is the first time I've talked about Paul's album. So I'm kind of formalizing some of these things. I understand what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. Um, There was so little pressure to do it right the first time there was so little pressure to um to make it sound like something else he wanted us to make it sound like us he had these songs and these ideas and he wanted us to put our filter on it which you can't ask for a better experience as a musician or as an artist in general i get that yeah and every time we'd come back into the studio, he'd say, man, you guys just sounded so great on that. I'm, sh- I'm just tickled by the way that you make <laughs> this music sound. Uh, and we'd boy. say, oh, well, I need to, I need to go back and, and fix that second verse. And he'd say, whatever you need to do, but, but don't change too much because I really liked it. <laughs> That's got to be have, a really free feeling. To have somebody feeling. say that, just, it just lifts you up as an artist. Sure. Yeah. As you know, you've been in those situations. I'm sure you know what it feels well, like. Well, I feel what you're talking supportive about. Supportive versus critical, where that balance is. And, yes. And Paul and Chris really have a great way of working through those kind of situations to always make everybody feel really comfortable and happy and ultimately come out with the best product possible. That's terrific. <laughs> That's a great story. And what a great feeling that must be. Really, yeah. really cool. Yeah. Well, um, tell me, of all the kinds of music um, that you played and you were saying, for example, playing, you know, for Paul and learning his music and and uh, and uh, Bobby Womack and playing behind him, you write your own songs, too, don't you? I sure do. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, what, what do you I mean, where do you get your um, what's the mojo behind your own songs? What do you write about? What do you like writing about? So, uh. I'd like to quote Bobby Womack because he taught me a lot about this. He at one point 
I'm going to go on another tangent here and tell a story just because it's applicable to the, to the yeah. question that you asked me. When he first started off on his solo career, he had written a super sad song and he played it for his girlfriend and his girlfriend said, Bobby, are you sad? <laughs> and he said, no, but that's what people want to hear, right? And he said, <laughs> and she said, who cares what the hell they want to hear? Write what you know. Hmm. And he told me that story a long time ago and, and it, it changed my writing because all of a sudden it brought me into the present. And, and to me, playing music and writing music should always be about the present. When you write a song, you're taking a snapshot of what you're going through and what you're feeling at that time. Yeah. Whether it's musically or lyrically. And when you record that song, you're recording it the way you want to record it at that time. Which is why it, it's really hard sometimes for artists to get past that. They want to go and redo something. They want to fix it. They want to rewrite it. They want to re-record it. It's like, well, hold on a second. Isn't it more interesting to take that picture? Because when you go back in that photo album, you can say that's what was happening at that particular moment. Yeah, right. And so as a writer, I remind myself constantly, hey, write what you're feeling now. Record what you're feeling now. That's cool. Say, so tell me, tell me, what what do you feel like is the best song that you've written? What's the your most favorite song that you've written? Oh boy, um, <laughs> does that take a lot of narrowing? <laughs> it. Uh, I'm going to give you a two part answer because that's, okay, go ahead. That's what I do. The cliche, sort of cheesy answer is whatever one I'm playing at the time. Right, I've heard that. And I know answer. it sounds cheesy, but it goes back to that idea of remaining in the moment, uh, being present with the music, not thinking about other stuff because what's most important is that song right there, right now. Yeah. Uh, that being said, some songs just work better, whether it's for the voice or for the guitar, for the band or whatever it is. And there's some some of my original tunes I routinely come back to because they just work and they just feel right regardless of the situation. One of those, I, I think to this one called, uh, it's called my love for you. My love for you. And that was actually on my first album, which was in 2005. First recording I did under my own name. And I can do that with the band. I can do that solo. I, I played it on a live stream last week for a show and I played it differently than I'd ever played it before. And it felt new, and it, it, even though the song's 15, 16 years old, it's, I still had something to say with it. That's I find cool. myself coming back to that particular song pretty often. That's too cool. You know, that's one of the things. I was going to bring this up in any case because uh, you do uh, some James Taylor, and uh, uh, he's really one of my favorite artists. I love to hear his music. You do it well. Uh, but one of the things that is that stands out to me about James Taylor is his ability to make his old songs new every time he plays them every single time no matter what and that's exactly what you're talking about doing with this song that is what 15 20 years old that you've, uh, yeah. you've done it's really cool yeah what an artist man that talk about an artist yeah who who not only was able to do what we just talked about which is document the way that he was feeling at the time but bring that into the into the present reinterpret it and feel it again man what an yeah. artist yeah, unbelievable. 
to be emulated. Say, well, let's uh, let's wrap this up a little bit. But tell me, I want to know about um, that. We were going to to speak a couple of days ago, and you told me that um, your child had to was taking a nap at a certain time, and we could do the interview later, a couple of days later. But it was at the cert- same time when your child was taking a nap, and I thought, now this is order. This is a dad who has order. Tell me, tell me about your relationship with your child, and and uh, you must be really happy and proud. I'm glad for you. Boy, you know we were blessed with Ava back in September. She's uh, she just turned ten months old, and my wife has a, a full time job that keeps her busy during the day, and and so uh, with the flexibility that I've been allowed with my music career, yeah, I said, well, I'll stay home with the kid. Well, I didn't understand just what a full-time job that was. <laughs> Disclaimer. Um, Ava's a, she's so wonderful, man. She blows me away every single day mm. because every single day is completely new. And, and I appreciate you saying, man, that's a man with order, but I'm just responding to her cues, Jack. Well, how about <laughs> This is that? not my design, Oh, my 10 friend. months, oh my goodness she, and gracious. She, she, she has a schedule already. She tells me when she's tired. She tells me when she's hungry. <laughs> and then as soon as I think that the schedule is set, man, that, that, that thing changes. <laughs> <laughs> the tail wags the dog at that point. Uh. Exactly. She runs our house in a good way. In a of good course. Way. Of course. Well, what a joy. Um, I know that has to be. Yeah, true. she's fantastic. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you, uh, Nate. You you have so many things going for you and you put so many good things forward uh, in the world and in this community. And I'm, I'm happy for you. You've got your move. And man, I hope that, you know, proves to be exactly what you're looking for. And um, and then we still have all the music, you know. It it comes from anywhere and everywhere, of course, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, very very cool. I want to thank you so much for giving me your time uh, here today and making you know all these things plain for all of us uh, who appreciate the things that you do around here. Hey man, what a treat! I'm honored that you asked me to to chat with you, man. It's it's a pleasure and. Hope we can do it again soon. Well, let me put one other thing out. You want to give some some thanks, some kudos to anybody in particular? You know, I'm people around you. Who who are the people that kind of help you? You know, get things moving. How much time you got? Yeah, I really huh. That's that's a that's a box that that's expandable depending on the time. But uh, well, just I'm, I'm grateful for you. Oh man, nah, not for, at all. For for being a, a an active member of the South Bay music community and and for performing and for connecting people um, much like Brent. I'm grateful for Brent and the entire band of barley for connecting people sure. and for giving so much. And, and that includes Adam. Adam's a huge, Adam Mulvaney is a huge part of the South Absolutely. Bay music yeah. scene. I'm grateful yeah. for him. Um, obviously none of this would be possible if I didn't have a supportive wife who understood that being a musician is, is, you know, it's, it is what it is and it's going to change every single day. And she's so supportive. Very cool. That's pretty awesome. That's, that's so important. So that's, that's the short list, man. That's the short list. I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're yeah. welcome. And uh, if you don't mind, you know, when uh, things move along again, you know, somehow I'll make a little shift and I'll call you again and we'll talk and you can uh, give us a little update. Hey, man, I'd love to. That sounds great. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I want you to have a great day and a great afternoon, and, uh, and we'll talk again. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. You too. Take care. All right. Care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I have seen many things in this 
Troubles too wide and deep to swim through. I have seen many things in this world, but I have never seen you. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Real Talk with Jack Tracy. My sincere thanks to Nate LaPointe for sharing his life and music with me and with all of us. It seems to me really important these days to have those who can lift our hearts to a hopeful and happy place with the music they create. And so I encourage you to find Nate over at natelapointe.com. And say, I hope you're doing well wherever you are. And whether you're playing music or listening to music, that your own heart will be encouraged by it. So thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to help keep these podcasts coming, please visit my website, jacksukulelemusic.com, where you will find my musician's tip jar. Thanks again so much for joining me. I'm your host, Jack Tracy. And until next time, cheers to you. <laughs>